like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Fringe is in full swing, Russell. Uh, yes, definitely. And we just saw more shows. I saw a lot more shows. You saw a lot more than me. Uh, yeah. You need to pick up your game, dude. It's not a competition. <laughs> uh, uh, it just Yeah, my schedule worked out. I, I front-loaded everything into the first couple of weekends for that I really, really wanted to see. So I had a very busy weekend, that's for sure. So what was your first show? Uh, actually, uh, I... Yeah, <laughs> you know me, Mike. I, I, I don't. I, Hi. I, I, nice I, to meet I, you. <laughs> I like to explore, and I did one of those things. I always pick up a few tickets each year at Fringe where I really don't know that much. I just read the description and go like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll buy a ticket for it. And um, I did that with a play called The Rental, which has the most basic sounding premise, and it just it was convenient for a time slot and... I said, you know what? I'll go. I'll go see this, and I'm so happy that I did. It was one of those fringe surprises where I didn't know anything going in, and it turned out to be a really fascinating play. Uh, the rental, the the premise of this play is, you, you t- stop me if you've heard this story before. Stop. <laughs> a virgin goes to an escort to lose his virginity. Ah, okay. And it, it, there was something in the description about um, neither of them got what they expected. And so I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go check this out. And I was really pleasantly surprised to get a thoughtful, provocative, uh, sometimes sexy uh, story and with a huge sort of twist and interesting conversation. Uh, this is a really, really uh, short run. They're not here through the entire Fringe Festival. And I talked a little bit afterwards to the cast and crew and apparently, um, the writer-director Ben Yabinius, Ubinius, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is uh, studying at Harvard. And he's done some work in New York and Los Angeles with, along with Ali Aston and his uh, other... Um, hold on just a second. I'm searching for names in a program. Um, the other producer was Jamie Herring, and the other cast member was Jake Corvino, uh, along with Ali Aston, who um, also was in the cast. Mike, this this like the first quarter of this really did play out almost like a cliche. It was just like it was like, oh, this is really sweet, this is really tender, and then they actually it's in real time. So they actually have the sexual encounter. Oh wow. And it was really sex on stage is is sometimes a very awkward thing to <laughs> to sit through and I've watch. I've never done it, so So, um I'm not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> um sometimes stories hit too close to home maybe maybe anyway uh moving on um the the way they handled the sexual encounter i thought was really graceful and awkward and funny and how how can something be graceful and awkward uh well graceful as far as she was taking nurturing and taking care of so that the direction of it was very gentle and the awkwardness came from the comedy of of everything that the guy was feeling. 
So, and they played all of that out in real time of, of like what he was scared of and what he was feeling. And, you know, there, and there was no real explicit nudity in this. Uh, however, they, they made a convincing sequence out of that. And then what happens is sex changes everything between two people. And as soon as it's done, what the play launches into is this fascinating conversation about sexual politics and integrity, uh, because each of them had walked into the room with certain rules in place. Like she never gives her real name and she decides to give her real name, that sort of thing. I'm being a little spoilery because I know that this podcast won't come out before the end of uh, before the end of their run. So uh, he had <laughs> he presents himself as this person who has this utmost respect for women and that's part of his awkwardness is he he feels so awkward doing what he's doing uh but they explain why he's doing it the way he's doing it and why he's losing virginity uh to a call girl uh or escort as she prefers to be called and the last half of this play it becomes this sort of heated conversation between the two of them of what this means what sex means what women's identity means his integrity, whether he respects women or not, because you think at the beginning of the play that he does. And yet the whole big universal sort of takeaway for me was we all have little prejudices. Everybody does because of how you were raised or where you grew up or what you were exposed to as a child. And this play focuses on the sexual politics between the two of them. And it uncovers all of this stuff, which you were weren't aware of in the first scene that was also sweet and also tender and like wait these people aren't exactly who they say they are so it it was a fascinating fast-paced uh, it, it ran under just under an hour and it really was like eavesdropping on an escort having an appointment with a client it it was i really enjoyed this play and I, and if they'd come back to fringe next year or something i definitely want to know what they're going to do this was this was really cool. That's awesome. I love stories like that. About yes, about liking a show, not about <laughs> call girls and escorts okay. and losing virginity. Uh, all right, uh, and I believe that that same show that pardon me that same night you went to a different show. I did. Uh, I went to Psychodelicate's Magical Mystery Comedy Show. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. I, Try. No, no. Come on. No. Fine. Um, so yeah, I was interested in the show just based on the description and just the title alone because magic, mystery, comedy, psycho, mm -hmm. <laughs> like cool. And basically the, it's a summary of you. <laughs> and the, the main image on the French site is a clown of sorts with dreads. And it's like, okay, this sounds like it will be really fun. Um, walking into this show, I felt like I had the biggest case of ADD ever because there was so much going on and you didn't know where to look. And there were three rainbow wizards smoking big, huge fake joints. There was a like kind of like a country type band. And I, when I say country, I mean deep South country, like your folk. Um, I'll be your Dixie chicken. Please. No. Um, <laughs> And well, that's a reference very few people will get. Yeah. 
or there's a preacher going around reciting verses from the I think the Bible or some other book. Then you have Psychodelicate herself just being like, okay, we're gonna do this and in, was she a ringleader of kind? Because yeah. it has a circusy feel. Yeah, from it's, what... it was very circusy slash variety show ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the show started, it it really it felt like more of a dress rehearsal. Unfortunately, um, this was their second show, and they they did have some problems with timing, and all, some of the cast was still having the lineup and looking to see what was next, and it just didn't feel very polished or 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 you know, ready to go. Um, I think after a few more shows like that, that will be fine. Uh, the show itself was really interesting. It didn't speak to me though. Um, I was expecting more magic, like traditional magic or, you know, more of comedy stuff. And then granted there were funny parts, but the magical component, it wasn't traditional magic. Like people weren't doing tricks. Um, it was more of new age type of stuff. And the basis of the show was around more new, new agey type type of things and talking about that. And it was just, it was really strange, Um, but it's not really my cup of tea. Uh, There was a really, really interesting part to me though. They had a speaker come up who, I guess he teaches about ancient geometry or Uh like ancient math and it was he started talking about the i believe it's called the life circle where it's like you draw a circle then you draw another circle that's intersects in the middle of that and keep doing that and it was just really fascinating but it felt kind of out of place because you have all of these crazy things happening in these crazy cast of characters and then all of a sudden the the I, the quote unquote normal guy comes up and just starts talking. It kind of put a halt to the show and the wackiness and it, everyone was li- really paying attention. And then it went back into the, the craziness. I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, you, in your beginning of your, your yeah, pardon me, in the beginning of your description, you sort of said variety show. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there were multiple acts judging from your, from your description. Acts slash skits, I guess. Okay. Um, like a diff, there would, there would be, uh, someone that would either talk or, you know, the band would, would play a song and then psychodelicate would come up and be like, Oh, now we're going to do this. What is psychodelicate like? Um, she's a crazy kind of clown and very happy and very excited. Well, the description talks about the positive message of the show. Yeah. And it's definitely a place to go if you want to get happy and get that, that kind of thing. Um, it's ve- it was very, like I said, it's kind of very new agey. It was like looking into yourself, like looking into your brain and making sure everything is going good and it, things along those lines. Hmm. How was it performed? Traditional proscenium show? You just sat in a theater and watched this happen in front of you? Yes. So it's not interactive in any way? It's Correct. Not... Okay. Yeah. All right. And I heard quite a few people say, I didn't take enough acid to be able to understand or follow this show. <laughs> and that's kind of what it's like. It's like what being on, like I, I would think, I don't know, I've never been on an acid trip, uh-huh. but I would think being on an acid trip is kind of like that show is kind of what you see. Cause it was just like a crazy cast of characters, all like random thing talking about consciousness and you know, things like that. And it was like, Whoa, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And there, and there was, I, I forget his name. Um, but after the speaker came and talked about ancient geometry and whatnot, there was, uh, and I guess here's the thing, I guess it changes. 
because I met someone outside that apparently is a motivational speaker and he's a part of the show at some points. Oh. Um, so I guess it changes every night. Or, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And one of the, the acts that I saw that night, it was a, a, a gentleman that balanced a wheelbarrow on his chin and uh, wow. was able to... Um, you know, keep a tennis racket going between two drumsticks. Oh, wow. Like it was kind of juggling, you know, like mm-hmm. that. And so that was really fun. And he was really funny. Like you can tell his, like his act is super, super polished and he's been doing it for a really long time. Um, but it, that, that part was great. And that was the highlight of the show for me. Oh, cool. And I think that was the end of our night for that night. Yeah. We only had a, it was an easy Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I came back the next night and I... Wait, before you say it, you need to say it like you're on the Super Friends cartoon. A different generation. Okay, can I do it? You do it. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the Super Lair. Oh, okay. I recognize that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so now it's your turn. Uh Meanwhile, back at the Super Lair. (laughs) Why do you sound scared? (laughs) (laughs) You intimidate me. That's why oh, I sound scared. Jeez. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the super lair. That's still not right, but that's, just go. That's... <laughs> just just talk. So, I'm, I'm trying to think of the old Batman series. Ne- ne- all right, never mind. All right, sorry. Um, this is one of those wacky, crazy fringe comedies. Um, uh, the premise of Meanwhile, Back at the Super Lair is that four superheroes are sharing an apartment in a city where there is no crime. So how do they fill their days? What do they do with their time? And they sort of, as roommates, drive each other crazy. And suddenly a city inspector shows up, I guess because their apartment is paid for by the city because they technically work for the city, but they're not serving any purpose. So the city's looking for budget cuts, so they might be evicted. So they have to justify themselves. That's sort of the overall premise, but this is wacky, crazy comedy. So everything twists and turns. Uh, actually what this is really about is how people look out for each other. And it, it makes a lot of universal observations about relationships because if you, I'll use, I'll use the example of how I saw it unfolding. They have no crime. So it feel it feels like somebody has to fill that void. So like somebody has to invent crime again. And meanwhile, there's a character called the human fly who's dating leopard woman who also lives with Rhino Man and Silverstreak. And so in that relationship, because everything's cool, it's almost as if one of the insecure partners feels the need to create drama and the need to create chaos because everything is actually fine. And that's how the show opens, actually, is with a superhero at a therapy session revealing all of their insecurities as a superhero which it was really fun. And th- this show has a lot of insight like that uh, into these characters of, you know, Rhino Man has a dark past that he's he's hiding from everyone else. And he has the absolute must, most unfortunate superhero costume because since he's Rhino Man, there is a rather phallic-looking portion to his costume, which he gets ribbed about a lot, apparently. But the overall tone of the show is absolute wacky comedy, it feels like sketch comedy, farce. There, there's several sequences, Mike, that just, they sing like an Abbott and Costello routine. Like really wacky verbal misunderstandings and riffs. There's a hysterical sequence involving 
two people, uh, how shall we say, having relations offstage <laughs> and how everyone else is hearing everything that's going on and starting to interact with what they hear. Like this is over the top goofy fun. I really, really had a good time. I, w- I was smiling, laughing a lot at this show. Uh, and also it, it's, it's, you know, if you, if your inner nerd needs some superhero fix, like this, this could fill that need. Absolutely. Yeah. Since Comic-Con the musical last year, it seems that you're more into stuff like this, which is awesome. You know what? It's like, actually, I did think of Comic-Con the musical at one point in this. Uh, this is sillier than Comic-Con the musical okay. was. So, but uh, yeah, I, I really had fun at this. I, I really had a really, really good time. Uh, definitely laughed a lot. How were the superhero outfits? Uh, they were awkward and clingy, <laughs> which is perfect for this show. <laughs> awesome. So, um, yeah, that's that's the best way to describe it. And I, I will say this about their villain because their 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 villainous costumes. They used the old like '60s TV style. Uh, like the like bandit masks, you know, oh, black yeah. Band- yeah, like literally the villain came out at one point and had a band and I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> well, that's how you know they're evil. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, I enjoyed Meanwhile Back at the Lair. Super, super lair. lair, pardon me. Meanwhile Back at the Super Lair. Now that same night, what did you do? Uh, <laughs> so there was a show that I thought looked really interesting and when we did our first fringe picks, mm-hmm. um, and then I had a personal situation uh, happen, which you know we haven't really talked about on the podcast, but um, like I think you know a couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned I had to go back home for for a month, right? Um, and this show deals with what I had to deal with uh, to a point, and when I came back, I, I think I told you I was more scared to go to this show than I was the first time I went to blackout. Mm. And that's saying a lot because blackout (laughs) terrified me when it first came to LA. Um, But the show is called when skies are gray and the, what the show is about is it's the, the days leading up to a mother's death and what the daughter is doing um, with like to help and within the hospice that her mother's in. And it, I was I was so worried about the show because, you know, just going through th- what I just went through. Uh, for those who don't know, um, uh, my mom passed away a month ago, actually on Star Wars Day, May 4th. Um, and this show deals with, you know, your mom dying. Uh, well, Ashley's mom. Um, and it like I didn't know, like I didn't know how, like what would happen. Like I was worried that I would ruin the show if I just started crying, like and because it's still so fresh. And you know, I I, I wrote to to Ashley and explained the situation. She's like, you know, and she she's 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 awesome um, because you know everybody's different. She was very positive, and um, you know, she was telling me that you know the way she dealt with it was she was back in the studio writing like a few days later, like mm-hmm. right, right after. And, um, I, I think it was for, I think she was writing this show. I don't want to speak that as like a hundred percent back, but I believe she was, ba- she was writing about this show, but she was back like, and that's how she was dealing with it. And this show is how she was dealing with her, her, um, that situation. And despite the subject matter, like the show is great. 
you know, I, I hate saying like a show is great when it's dealing with something like this, but the show is so good, you know, and, and luckily I wasn't the, the only one crying. Like that's how good and impactful it is. Um, because I think it's, it's important to see because we're all going to experience death at one point, like some of us more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us already have. And yeah, I, I was lucky, um, because I was able to be there for a couple of days with my mom, but some people aren't that lucky and things like, you know, car accidents happen or heart attacks and you don't get that chance to say goodbye. So that's what this show is really good for because you can turn this into your own situation and deal with your grief and deal with your sadness and, and say goodbye, you know, if you never got a chance to, which is really, really important. And if you haven't lost anyone yet, um, it's, it's almost like a good preparation for what you might experience, um, and the feelings that you might feel. Um, I'm saying a lot of ums cause I don't know what else to say at, at this kind of stuff just because it's, it's still kind of overwhelming. Um, see there it is again. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, it was such a good show and it is immersive at points. Um, you can sign up to be a nurse and as a nurse, you will be called to help with the patient at certain points. Uh, you'll help, uh, Ashley and, and her mother, and you can help other members of the audience if, if, if you like, because you're a nurse, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, and this show was really kind of special and surreal for me, uh, because I was sitting next to Ashley's godparents Hmm. who were there living this with Ashley when it was going on. So wait, I want to clarify. You mean the real godparents, the real, the real, her real godparents. Oh, wow. I, that is a surreal sort of moment. Yeah. And they, they were there the whole time with like, while this was going on, because First of all, the the acting from uh, Melissa Randall, it's she plays the mother. It, it was just so, so, you know, you you just feel you, the way she was portraying Ashley's real mother. It was you can tell it was hitting really close to home because very early on um, her godmother was just you could you could hear the sniffles. So and then that. <laughs> that got in my head because it's like, Oh my God, you, this is real life. Like you lived this, you saw this. And now this person is reenacting what you already went through. And it's so good. It's like, she's so good that it's making you be, you know, be, be feel, feel that again, you know? Yeah. Um, and the fact that they showed up just to support Ashley, it, you know, to live that again, like live through it. It, it was just, it's it it blows my mind because you know hopefully it it helped them but i wouldn't want to relive what i went through in a show and for them to do that like wow you know even the same thing with ashley like you know living the last week of your mom's death like night after night like like she's (laughs) Like we've had conversations and she said, like, she told me like, oh, like you're so brave for coming and dealing with this head on and, you know, which I super appreciate, but no, like you're the one who's brave by creating a show 
being the the main person in it and reliving that part of your life over and over again like that's what's brave not me <laughs> showing up you know yeah, I, I'm on the waiting list for this show. I, I was looking at my schedule and it, it sold out as I was trying to figure out when to go see it. But I am on the waiting list. I, I I hope I'm lucky enough to have a chance to see it. Yeah, I hope so too. Because as soon as, well, we have we had a show after this. And I think one of the first things I told you was you need to see the show. Yeah, you did. You know, just because, um, you know, I know what's going on in your life and your relationships with your mother and, yeah, you know, and, I, and, 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 you know, we've talked about this privately. I lost my dad nine years ago and, um, actually his birthday is this week. Um, and I had a plane ticket and I, I was not there by a matter of hours. Um, I did have a little bit of contact with him, uh, a little bit of time previous to that as he was, um, uh, how do you say, um, fading away. So I did have that contact and I was grateful for it, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was not by his side. That's for sure. So yeah, I, I hope I'm lucky enough to see this show and it sounds like it was a very, uh, cathartic, good experience for you. Yeah, it really was. And, um, it's just, there's a lot of things that I think people can take out of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of things I think people can take from the show. Um, and I think you will definitely benefit from seeing it. So I really hope you're able to get in. Right. Very cool. Thank you for, um, for talking about that. Yep. And then right after that show is when I met up with you. Mm hmm. And that was the ultimate bring down of the night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, I have to do something. I don't want to be sad the rest of this <laughs> podcast. Oh, but we we saw a show together that both of us were looking forward to. Yes. Um, one of the two magic shows at Fringe. We saw half of the magic shows on that night. <laughs> yes. Um, but we saw Casper Thomas. More magic and mentalism. And that's exactly what it was. More magic and mentalism. Yeah, it was a uh, you know and a traditional magic show, and I don't mean traditional in a bad sense. It was just really fun, dependable magic. Yeah. He, he did a little bit of everything. He's he's mm-hmm. um like usually coin we, tricks, rope tricks, yeah, jewelry tricks, card tricks, <laughs> phone tricks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, he didn't affect. Which I um he didn't affect with your phone. Mm-hmm. Which have you ever seen that effect before? No, neither had I. And and it was this kind of little mini miracle where uh casper thomas the magician sort of made mike's phone pass through matter and (laughs) it was pretty damn cool yeah and i was right there and i was so happy because i love being chosen for things Mm -hmm. and i he chose me to like help him with a couple tricks which was which was awesome yeah and there was like maybe like three or four like he did some rope tricks and and then he did the make made my phone go into the balloon yes and it's like you're there like i was closer to him than i am to you right now Mm -hmm. like sitting and it's just like the skill level on people like that it's like it for like it makes me mad because i'm not that good at anything (laughs) oh come on no seriously well nothing i've I've heard you dj you're good at that yeah not like that (laughs) um but 
I suddenly be... feel the need to take care of my friend and bolster your ego. No, <laughs> no, like I, I'm, I'm comfortable with like with that. Like I'm okay at a lot of things, but I'm not amazing at one thing. If that makes sense. Why are you staring at me? It makes sense. It makes sense. I, I know, but I, I was going to so jump in with something that you would absolutely probably physically hit me for if I said, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're an amazing friend. That was the sound of me ducking. <laughs> Insert cricket sound effect here. But my point is I was less than a foot away from him. Yeah. And still being able to fool me and with so much skill and grace to just like boom your phone's in a balloon now and you were right here watching me do it and i just made the impossible happen right in front of your eyes i hate that we're giving away one of the coolest effects in the show but it it really was like watching a little mini miracle happen and if you see it it's like you you will not understand how effective it is unless you see it live Mm -hmm. and i asked you after the show immediately that was the first thing i asked you about was like you were you were standing at a different angle because you were sort of standing beside me. I was like, what did it look like for you? Because it looked amazing from where I was sitting. <laughs> and another thing I want to point out is, um, w- one of the things I love about, look, how many times have we seen the linking rings? How many times have we seen Professor's Nightmare, which is the standard rope trick, which is not what he did. He did something different. Uh, in the middle of that rope trick, there were a couple of moves that I don't think I've ever seen before. Oh, wow there's a it's sort of when he starts moving knots around and tying knots and releasing like there were some moves that i had never seen before it's like oh wow it's like when he picked up the rope i expected the same traditional rope trick that like everyone gets does extended of, and... oh look it's a loop <laughs> you know oh look it's longer now it's shorter and he didn't do that he did something unique with that and i, and I really appreciate that and he you know his linking rings trick was just graceful and solid and I, to this day, the little kid in me comes out whenever I see someone doing stuff like that. And his mentalism, that was pretty strong, too. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing. I was I was there for that, too. And yeah. he asked one person for um, for a line number. He asked you for the word number. Yeah. And I chose the page number and he still got it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is just really good, solid magic show, which is always enjoyable to me and one another thing i like about him is his sarcasm because (laughs) sometimes i can be sarcastic um so yeah what's sarcasm um and just the because unfortunately the night we went there was only about you know five or six people in the crowd yeah which i was Um, a little sad to see because he deserves better crowds yeah he's he's way too good to only have us there it was just it was so good and Whenever, because when there's that little people, it's always awkward because you never know when to clap because someone doesn't yes. want to start it. <laughs> so he would make comments about that and was like, it's okay to to clap. Like if you liked it, you know, just <laughs> things like that. It was really, it was really fun. It added to the show. It added to the intimacy of the show. And... Oh, absolutely. It became a very casual, intimate show. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, I, I had made a comment to you earlier. It really did feel like we were just hanging with a friend and he was doing really cool stuff. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, and it's, and he he played very well to the small crowd. Mm-hmm. Like he he really adjusted his performance to that crowd. So it it's which is a skill into itself. Yeah. So if you are a fan of magic, uh, make sure to go because seriously, this is one of two shows. It's this and Coke and Mirrors, which we talked about in the last podcast. Support your local magicians. Absolutely. And that was sort of the end of the evening, which I wonder is why there weren't as many people there for that show, is because it was near the end of the evening. 
that wrapped up our night, correct? Yes, it did. And then I uh, managed to go back the next day and see a few shows. You had a busy Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I did. I really did. Um, the first thing I saw on Saturday was a show called Glitch. And we talked when we did our picks for Fringe, Mike, about how I was actually a little surprised that there wasn't more political material like overtly political material in listed in the fringe guide. And there is some feminism stuff. There is some me too movement stuff. There is some political stuff. Um, Glitch is a very topical sort of message piece. And it's the premise is so simple. It's a journalist interviewing a convict. And the convict is a man who is someone who went into a school and killed multiple people. So it's very timely, and this show makes the very intelligent choice of... It would be so easy, so easy to have the journalist be some self-righteous, on-a-warpath type of, like, I'm going to nail this guy to the cross, and it's not. The journalist is emotional because of the situation, but they didn't portray her as someone out to get somebody. Actually, she's kind of bothered by the fact that she's in this guy's presence. And it would have been so easy on the other side of this conversation to play the guy as a hateful, spiteful villain or someone who's crazy or someone. I'm so glad they didn't do the rock music angle because <laughs> I, I almost expect that it to come up at some point. And they actually deal with that, but they deal with it from the journalist's point of view uh, very, very briefly. But they play this guy as just an average guy. And I think the point of this piece is we need to have a conversation in this country about what guns mean in our culture, what the image of them means, what owning one means, what being responsible for one means. And this is a conversation, a dramatized conversation, an interview with someone who actually killed people with a weapon. And there's a wonderful point in this show where the statement is made, some people choose to pick up a gun and others don't. And some people choose to call it a weapon instead of a firearm. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it, like, yeah. it, but that's, that's kind of like part of that bigger conversation. Oh, yeah. Like I wasn't making fun of you, but because I think... I didn't even realize I had done that and it's a very valid point to make. Yeah, because when... Whenever guns are used for, you know, killing their weapons, but guns are firearms. And you know what? You just kind of made me realize something uh -oh. about myself. I grew up in an area where hunting was very common. So they were guns or firearms. Mm -hmm. The farther away I have gotten from being around people who normally carried guns and worked with guns and, you know, sport hunted with guns and went to the shooting range for a hobby, the farther away I've gotten. And and it's not a choice by my, it's like, I, I actually don't mind being around guns because I was trained. I was, you know, like I have been to ranges. I've been, I've, you know, gone shooting with people all under very safe controlled conditions. But I do like, just because of what you said, I realize that I do see them as weapons. Mm-hmm. Because I haven't been around them for so long. And with the constant news reports. Yes. Like lately. Yeah. yeah. But the at the very end of this piece, uh, that's, wow, that's, I, I'm, you've got me in my head <laughs> right now thinking about like, wow. So, and also going back to the rental where it makes you, 
examine your your like the sexual politics and how you feel about others and other sexes and races and people and like wow this is this is a podcast about re-examining your life <laughs> did i just Apparently. blow your mind <laughs> <laughs> so it's just no it's a very valid realization and i hadn't even realized that i had made that transition in my head uh but i have obviously so at the end of the show they they bring up some of the recent history in this country they let you know some truly frightening statistics uh about death and guns in this country and they they just make the point of like hey it's like this is part of our culture and we need to deal with this uh, it, i found it a fascinating conversation and i was very happy that it wasn't preachy uh it was not overt in its message it was more like we need to be talking and thinking about this more than we are and it's going to continue happening until we start having the conversation you don't mean we as in you and i right <laughs> take me to the firing range sometime we'll talk the firing range <laughs> i'm picturing like all these guys in suits they're like you know it's not working out <laughs> Yeah, I'll take you to the to the range. To the range. <laughs> the firing range. <laughs> and we'll shoot some firearms. The what I don't whatever you the shooting gallery. Whatever you call shooting it. Shooting. Oh my god. <laughs> I know that was are we, wrong. Are we going to the fair now? <laughs> yes, we are. Glitch actually I found to be a fascinating fascinating play. It was just, I I I enjoyed sitting there and hearing that conversation happen. Awesome. So what did you do after that? Uh, I went and saw a comedy, which I was really happy that it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that, that seems heavy. Uh, yeah, I saw a show called Kiss My Axe, which uh, the Alliance of Los Angeles Playwrights, uh, they created a show with the premise of, of presenting several 10-minute long plays within an hour. And their common thread in this was they had a prop, and the prop was a sort of short medieval axe-looking prop. And that's why the show is called Kiss My Axe is because each playwright had to utilize that prop somehow in the 10 minute play that they wrote. Uh, and then uh, the best of those plays were chosen and mounted in this show. And most of them, Mike, leaned toward comedy. It had the feel very much of a sketch comedy show. Uh, some of them were just silly and goofy. Uh, at one point they had, you know, female SS officers who were zombies you know, nice. and, <laughs> you know, it, some of it was very silly and goofy. Uh, some of it was kind of pointed about relationships. There was an interesting play about sort of speed dating. And this guy has rather than a hook for a hand, he has this axe for a hand and how people judge appearances and how people judged him immediately because he had this deformity. Uh, there were other times when the axe was barely used at all. It was it was so, almost felt like an afterthought. It was a mixed bag. It really did feel like a sketch comedy show. And even the gimmick of everyone using a prop is sort of a sketch comedy routine thing that you would find at a comedy club. Uh, so, you know, there are numerous comedies at the Fringe Festival. You know, if sketch comedy is something that you enjoy, this is def definitely a contender uh, for your time. And they have several shows I know remaining before the end of the festival. Cool. It was fun. That's awesome. That sounds fun. I mean, female SS officers as zombies. Enough said. <laughs> that was that was too short for me. But you know, they're all ten minutes or less. And after that, Mike, um, I made a joke with you not long ago about how this sort of was a really heavy weekend for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I talked about glitch. <laughs> 
Well, the next was a play that I was actually looking forward to because the the description I thought was really interesting. Uh, and it's a play called Man is Wolf. This play is definitely in the category of heavy drama. It, it sets up a premise where uh, after a high school wrestling competition that one of the wrestlers is stranded because of a storm and miscommunication with his family. And a, a guy who was at the match says, oh, well, you know, I'm here and you can come crash in my hotel room until your family gets here. So it's two strangers awkwardly getting to know each other. Huh. And it's funny because I, I don't know if you've, have you ever been in a situation like that? It happened to me in an airport. <laughs> no. <laughs> it actually happened to me in an airport once where I, the, the my worst travel story ever, I got caught in an airport for 48 hours straight. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was just, you know, mishap after malfunction, you know, planes being delayed, planes having mechanical, like literally for 48 hours, I was in an airport. And during that time, I, I kept having weird conversations with complete strangers because like, where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, well, I have two hours to kill. So what do you do for a living? <laughs> And you'd have these awkward conversations. That's sort of how this begins because both of these guys are seeking shelter from a massive storm that is shutting down all the freeways and no one can travel, which is why, you know, they're kind of stuck where they are. And what ends up happening, these guys are both passionate, you know, fans of the sport. Uh, they talk athletics. They talk about wrestling because uh, that's the competition that it was. And they're both very knowledgeable. So it's a sort of a testosterone heavy subject. And what slowly starts to get revealed is that each of them has something in their past that deals with aggression or being hurt or being preyed upon or preying upon someone. And there's a there's an aspect of sexual predator to the story but it's not what you think when when the play starts and i knew that there was that or there was that aspect of the show before going in the play does not go where i thought it was going to go uh it's at one point the question is asked are you predator or are you prey and i think universally for anyone who who is alive and has lived for a while, I think you're both. It depends on the situation. It depends on the time. And so secrets start getting revealed uh, as to when in these men's life they have been predator and they have been prey. And the tension starts to ratchet up and it gets really nerve wracking and it leads actually to some really painful revelations and it leads to violence between the two of them and i almost didn't want to say that but i want to point to something the performances in this show are absolute realism they the acting style is completely natural you firmly believe both of these characters the cast includes two men george oliver hale and landon tavernier I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> and 
these two guys nail these roles. It is so incredibly believable, the awkwardness of the situation. And as they start to share alcohol and stories get deeper and more out of control, that's when it escalates to them challenging each other, both emotionally and physically. And Mike, there was some moments of violence in the show that, that the audience gasped out loud at how shocking and surprising and suddenly they happened. Oh, wow. Uh, I also, uh, since I have a program in my hand right now, uh, it was written and directed by David Robinette. And I love this type of drama, this completely realistic... I just, I walked out of this show with so much food for thought and I was so shocked at where this ended up going and the whole thing of are you predator are you prey and at the end of the show like the the future is uncertain for reasons that might surprise you and i think this is a wonderful discovery i'm so glad i went and saw this show this this might become one of my favorite shows of the fringe festival oh wow that's awesome yeah it's just like and cuz you know like like i like the heavy drama so <laughs> on stage and uh, yeah, this this just I walked away from this and I went to another show and I had to as the other show started, Mike, I had to do one of those. Wait a minute. I'm not present because I'm still thinking about the last show. I was still thinking about Man is Wolf when my next show started. So I had to like really like, OK, be present. I, I, I have to focus on what's in front of me because uh, I, I found some of it really, really disturbing. See, some of those OOA principles are still with you. <laughs> Be present. <laughs> and that other show, which I, you know, walked away from Man is Wolf and, and hustled over to a couple of blocks away. And I... I'm picturing... Okay, hold on a yeah. second. I want everybody listening to this right now. Close your eyes. Picture Russell hustling Wait down, down, the, down the street. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because that image is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Ceaseless Fun, which is a company that we have done uh, past shows with. They recently did Agnasia and They Who Saw the Deep. Thematically, those shows actually might sort of tie in with what they're doing in the Fringe Festival, which is a an immersive piece called The Stars. And uh, we talked about They Who Saw the Deep. Uh, you were out of town when that show was going on. Yeah. And... It dealt a lot with legacy and the the story of Gilgamesh, which is basically the end of the story of the Gilgamesh is a man realizes that his legacy is what he builds in this world. Um, there was a lot of themes in that show about what we leave behind, what image we create, fame, uh, longevity of, of who we are after we pass. There's a lot of that in, in that show. And the stars kind of thematically links to that almost directly because you literally walk down Hollywood Boulevard and you encounter people. So this happens outside. And I did this on a Saturday night on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> so let's say the crowd was raucous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you you encounter people. And at times you, you sort of, I, I don't want to give too much away, but you encounter a different, a, a series of characters and each character has a different take on what's going on and they talk to you about different subject matters but they're all linked and sometimes the characters actually comment on each other like oh i saw you talking to so-and-so you know she's got it all wrong 
you know, and then they, they reevaluate uh, their perspective and they try to convince you that they're right. Overall, it is about what Hollywood is. And Hollywood is part of the image machine. And in our culture, what is the importance of being famous? What is the importance of being popular? What is, and this is also a social media conversation as well. And also, how much time are we wasting trying to create those images on social media and, and, um, and holding up what Hollywood creates as an ideal that we're supposed to strive for? Because it's all false. It's all image. How much time are we wasting doing that? And the show ends with a very nice little coda that really brings it home because they turn to you and you have to contribute something. And that got really emotional for me. And I was surprised that I got emotional at that point. And that, that there's some lo- several lovely sequences during this. Uh, as far as execution of this, since it is an immersive piece and you're out in the middle of, of a whole bunch of people on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, I've talked to several other people who have done this show, and we all share a, a confusion. Uh, Mike, you're told that you're not to speak during this show, and yet the characters ask you questions and wait for you to answer. Oh, okay. So how would you handle that in an immersive show? If if I'm giving the instruction, probably I wouldn't say anything. I would think that's part of the show. Yeah, there's well, there's one character in particular where it played out for me, where literally I was asked, "Can you do this for me? Can you provide that for me?" Can you? and I was being asked very pointed questions, and I had been told not to speak, so I sort of hemmed and hawed, shrugged my shoulders, you know, sort of like held up my hands when like I don't know. <laughs> except I didn't actually say that, you know, so it became very, very awkward. And I've heard several other people who've done the show say that they also felt that that was a very awkward vibe for me. It actually took me out of the show uh, the first time it happened. And then I realized like, Oh, maybe I'm supposed to feel awkward. Maybe that's, <laughs> you never know anymore. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know anymore, you know, and I'm, I feel awkward most of my life. So, <laughs> uh, I, I, that that was a weird little glitch for me in this presentation. And I've heard other people say the same thing of like, because you're given that instruction when the characters start interacting with you. And at one point I actually did speak up and I, because I couldn't understand something an actor was saying and he kept repeating a phrase. So I did, I just, ju- I just very lightly, he, he was walking slightly ahead of me and I just lightly touched him on the shoulder and he stopped and he checked in on me and he said, Oh, and I said, I have a question for you. Are you saying, and I repeated something back to him, or are you saying this? And he went, oh, and he clarified. And the reason that I was having the problem is because we were walking and talking on Hollywood Boulevard on a Saturday night, and he was talking at such a rapid clip that I was missing parts of his dialogue. So, So, but that's kind of the danger of that sort of, and and that's also the sort of the point of what you miss and what passes you by you know, as you're going through your daily life, that that's actually part of the show. And so I just want to make something clear um, because you're admitting you just broke two rules. You spoke and you touched an actor. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I did. (laughs) But I was confused at that point because it looked like the actors were expecting me to respond. So I I wasn't sure. So, but I didn't want to let the actor to leave me behind as I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on. So, um, you know, and you know me, I'm very respectful of actors. So it was just, it was a very light touch on the arm. (laughs) 
And he solved my problem. He answered my question immediately, so I knew what was going on, and then we continued the show. Uh, this was a really interesting piece. I, and again, I said this about the last Ceaseless Fun show, Mike. They're weird, trippy sort of philosophical slants on everyday situations is really intriguing. Doesn't always speak to me, but it's always fascinating. So this was an enjoyable oddball sort of mix of like talking with strangers and wandering through Hollywood on a Saturday night. Very cool. So that was your busy Saturday ending. Um, And then you had a very busy Sunday as well. Yes, I did. Uh, I went and saw a show which actually um, uh, was kind of a workshop show, uh, which we're going to talk about that in a later podcast. Okay. And uh, the thing that I saw, which is another one of the shows, actually, I think, Mike, this was the first show I mentioned to you when the Fringe tickets went on sale. Like, I asked you if you'd noticed this because I just thought it was a fascinating premise. Mm -hmm. It is Foxhole Stories. Twist, pull, smoke, run, motherfucker, run. That is the name of the show. (laughs) Foxhole Stories is a planned series of plays, which is being done by a new company. And their intention is to use veterans and people directly affected by military service to create theatrical work, which exposes, reveals brings to the public attention veterans uh, issues and things that are affecting the lives of veterans. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I'm a theater nerd, you know, I talk to you so much about theater and sometimes I see your eyes glaze over and I, I understand, but I, the idea of theater as social change, the idea of theater for healing, I find utterly fascinating and I've encountered it several times in my life uh, to very effective purpose And I just love the fact that this company exists and I want to learn more about their future shows. And oddly enough, at the show that I attended, there was a quick Q&A after the show, which I've not encountered at any other Fringe show. Uh, And and one of the questions that came up is, what is the future? And they have multiple plays planned. Uh, They probably will be at Fringe again next year, if I'm understanding their plan correctly. Um, But this show uh, was created uh, partially by the gentleman who stars in it, Matthew Domenico, uh, and it's also co-written by Catherine Connor Duff and also stars Brock Joseph. Um, The two men are veterans, and they are fine actors as well. Uh, And it's interesting, this show, the premise of this show, plot-wise, is pretty basic storytelling. It's A veteran is having a relationship. Uh, His girlfriend doesn't understand why he's holding so much in. He's got emotional demons that he's wrestling with. And this show explores those demons. And it's it's not too much of a giveaway, I think, to say that uh, he starts talking to his PTSD as if it were real. So what manifests itself is the memory of a friend who also served in the military with him. So he is actually having conversations and reenacting parts of Afghanistan with this other character. And so you're actually journeying into this man's mind and into these memories. And the authenticity, the feel of this play, Mike, partially, I guess, knowing the fact that it was written by men who served and men who witnessed things in their service that are horrific 
and they're working them out through art. This is fascinating stuff. And, but, but, but here's the other thing. Okay, fine. Yay, social change. Yay, healing. Yay, theater as a force of good. Does it work? Does it work as storytelling? Does it work as, is it emotionally engaging? And absolutely this play does. Uh, I heard a couple people sniffling at one point during the show near the end. Uh, what gets revealed as to what he is dealing with is so heavy and so intense. They end up recreating on stage through the use of sound, through the use of light, through the sound of some video, through the use of some video, really, really traumatizing aspects of their history. And you totally understand why this man can't release the past. And you totally understand what's standing in the way of him moving forward with a woman who is there by his side, caring for him and wanting to help. So this is really dramatic stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed this show, partially because I cannot relate in many ways to their situation. It's like, I didn't serve in the military. Uh, my father did. And my father never, ever spoke of it, which has always been a side of my father that was a mystery to me. Right. So I found this fascinating for several personal reasons. I can't relate to the stories personally, but I can relate to the pain of your past potentially destroying your future. And that's what they're wrestling with here. And I think it's really, really nicely done. Yeah, this, this, was, this was definitely a highlight of the weekend. That's awesome. So after that, I, well, I, no, we didn't do the show together. <laughs> I was uh, right before you. Yes. And, but we basically did it together. We did the same show. Yes. Just not in the same group. Yes. And it's a very small group. Yeah. And that show is what went wrong. So Mike, did anything go wrong for you? Everything goes wrong for me. <laughs> um, but I love this show. Like this show is so much fun. Uh, this is uh, in the immersive theater category at Fringe and it is truly immersive theater uh, that you all know and love. Uh, there's interaction, there's um, surprises. Uh, Several there's, really good surprises. Yeah, there's conversations that you have to have and it starts the moment you go to the meeting place. Yes, absolutely. And the what the show is about is you are test subjects at Closure Inc., and what Closure Inc. is, it's a new startup company that um, they get memories from couples that have broken up or have relationship issues. And you're basically a focus group. You look at these memories and you decide what went wrong, like who's to blame, what point in the relationship did things start going badly, things like that. So this is actually a little genre bending. I mean, there's a touch of sci-fi in there. Yeah. There's a touch of straight drama. There's at one point maybe a little tinge of romantic comedy, but not much. <laughs> they play it pretty straight-faced. Uh, I really enjoyed this show, and for mainly for the reason you just mentioned is the constant surprises. Mm -hmm. I was constantly surprised at, oh wait, like they they're they're really selling this. They're selling this idea. They're selling the concept. The space, by the way, is so well designed. Yes. Like you walk in, you completely believe that this is a startup company. It has that incredibly cold, obnoxious, modern office feel. The open office, oh. shared space. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, you completely buy into the world, completely. 
And I I really was taken by surprise, especially about three quarters of the way through when you, you when you realize a couple of things are unfolding the way they are. Um, the, I don't think it's too much to say that you you sort of have to diagnose what you feel as the audience member, what yeah. you feel went wrong. With you the give your opinions. Yeah. yeah, you give your opinion. And that's what Closure Inc., the company, is interested in. They just want your opinion. But wait, Russell, how do you view these memories? Through a VR headset. Yes. So it's your point of view of the relationship as one of the people. Yes, exactly. Which is utterly fascinating. And who who were you? Uh, I was him. I was Nick. Okay, I was Shelby. Ah. Uh, I, I so want to say something obnoxious to yeah. you right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so no, because I, I, I had issues with Shelby. Well, I had issues with Nick. Okay, well, fine. Be that way. <laughs> but last year at Fringe, we did another... Well, I forget. Were you in the show that had VR? No, I couldn't make it to that show. And that one did not work for me at all. Mm -hmm. This was such a clever use of VR. Oh, yeah. And the show was not based solely on the VR, which made it that much better. Um, I personally had some issues with the VR. Like uh, the show stopped at one point. The video stopped. Um, and they're just, it's technology. You're going to have issues at some point. Unfortunately I did. Um, that's what happens in startups. There's <laughs> always true. issues. It's funny that you say that because actually when mine started, there was no sound. Yeah. Same with me. Yeah. And they, and, and what it was is for some reason, I guess when it resets, the volume goes all the way down to zero. So, you know, I was raising my hand going like, Hey guys, <laughs> I can't hear anything. Yeah. B- so by the way, Oculus, we're not sold. We're going to stick with our PSVR. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> is that what those were? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So uh, I, I also want to commend the cast for completely selling this from start to finish. Yes. It's like there, there, there was no curtain call because this is a real world you're stepping into from the moment you show up where you're supposed to show up. It starts, which I loved. Absolutely loved. Well, and that's what makes a good world. Yeah. That, because you know granted you're in LA you know you're in LA but all of a sudden you are now in in a Los Angeles yeah. where closure ink is real yeah and i i the only thing and i i've said this to you um before we started recording i wish this were longer that's what she said I, thank you uh however i think it's extremely effective just the length where the, where it is right now i i think it's like it's brief it's quick it's it, less than half an hour it's like I, it's a really effective joke and punchline sort of setup, and I think they nailed it. I I agree. It's good as is, but to go, if if this were able to get extended, that's what she said. Um, sorry, <laughs> I have to. Um, I think it would be at least for me personally, the ending would be so much more fun because there yes. would be more time to explore I and have to have the yeah. conversations. Yeah, I d- did. You have a chance to air your point of view. Uh, I was about to, but then it, yeah. it's like, I, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have the chance either. Yeah. So it's like, so like half the audience sort of got to participate in that. Mm-hmm. So, and I wasn't part of that. And I, you know, I was like, I want to tell you a piece of my mind. Yeah. Same with me. <laughs> yeah. I just wish I could have spoken more yeah. about my opinions. Yeah. It, and also, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this and I don't think you're saying it either from, I wanted to let my opinion be known. I wanted to engage the other people who were expressing like I yes. wanted the audience to have the chance to hash it out among ourselves and it sort of 
there's sort of leads that way with sort of a technician character who is kind of guiding the conversation. I wanted that to go on longer because I wanted to know there's one person at our table who never spoke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, no, I want to know what he thinks. It's like, I want to know whose side he, it was, so it was really fascinating. Uh, it, it actually, we felt like we were getting into a heated conversation. So it was like, this was really fun. Yeah. And that, that surprise is just, it's so perfect. Yeah. Cause I think all of us were like, what the hell? What? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah. It's 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 got some really good stuff. This is really enjoyable, really strong. Yeah, I hope this continues outside of fringe. Yeah, I, I do too. Absolutely. Uh I want to say one thing about our my first arrival, which was which is kind of funny, but it's something in the immersive world. Uh We've said a couple of times in this conversation that the the show starts the moment you walk up and you check in. You check in with an employee of uh, Closure Inc. Well, my entire group was there, and one person came to the like to to check in, and they didn't understand that the show had started. Oh, and so they were engaging the person at check in, like, oh wait, don't I know you from somewhere? Oh no, like no no no, and 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 the and the the person from Closure Inc. was like, no, I've been working for Closure Inc. for over a year. I've been doing this. This is my, I was in Denver before this assignment. I was like, and the the patron was like, no, 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 no. We met each other last year at the Fringe <laughs> Festival. This is like, I can, I remember, because like so-and-so introduced us and the guy kept like, no, I've, I've been working for Closure Inc. And the patron just kept pushing and pushing like, no, 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 no. I can tell you a story. And they named a theater that we both love, the Stephanie Fury Theater. Mm-hmm. And like, we met at the Stephanie Fury studio. We met here. We're like, this was the show. We, and the patron wouldn't let it go. And, and the rest of us were sort of awkwardly looking at each other because the rest of us knew yeah. that he didn't get it. But it was, it was like immersive theater where someone shows up that didn't understand that the show was going on. It was, it was a very awkward moment. The actor handled it very well. And he just said he kind of laughed and he said like i i'm i am so sorry i don't know what you're talking about i don't know who you think you met but i seriously i was in denver and i've been working for closure inc and then he and then luckily that was the cue for us to begin moving and so it was like but it was just that that clueless moment of i felt so sorry for for that particular character because the patron wouldn't let it go and he didn't realize and like and the the actor kept turning to us and asking questions like what other companies have you checked out have you worked in marketing have you worked in like because you know we deal in science here we're like, and and that patron wouldn't let it go jeez <laughs> it was so odd to witness you know, which and to be totally honest i'm not criticizing the patron for not like getting it when he walked up but it was very odd that he didn't catch on right even though he was coming to an immersive piece Play the game. Words of wisdom with Russell. (laughs) So I did, I think I do this once a year, Mike. I made a mistake in my fringe schedule. (laughs) Okay. That's good because fringe is only once a year. So uh, yes. And uh, I, I, I walked out of that show thinking like, oh my gosh, I only, I have half an hour to get two miles, you know? And like, so I was going to call an Uber and oddly enough, there was a guy in our group. Uh, if in case he does, he I of course told him about the, the podcast. <laughs> so uh, Rodrigo, I want to thank you very much. <laughs> Rodrigo gave me a ride to my next show. 
<laughs> ah, it's just like the plot of Man is Wolf. So yeah, actually, <laughs> it is very much that. So you go into other shows. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I, Rodrigo and I were talking about the show, and uh, I was talking about we were, we started comparing notes about other shows that we'd seen, and he said, "Well, look, I'm going back into that area. I I can just give you a ride." So we started comparing notes about what we'd seen, and it sh- it ended up where he ended up seeing the next show, the same show that I was going. Oh, awesome! And here's the mistake. I was half an hour off. I actually had a full hour to make the journey. I could have walked it. But instead... You got to know someone. Yeah, I got to know someone. <laughs> Theater, bringing people together. That's right. So Rodrigo and I went to see Dracula's Taste Test. Nice. And this is one of those unique to Fringe, really cool, really fun things that can only exist as a Fringe show. The plot of this thing, Mike, is total ridiculous so you know like times can be tough you know for a vampire these days right of course (laughs) so dracula's round uh due to some real estate deals due to various other things uh he now lives sort of like out in the glendale area apparently (laughs) uh he's trying to figure out he's trying to get in with the hipsters he's trying to be cool again and uh he's thinks he's probably going to start a club but the whole permitting thing and we've talked about that in the podcast the whole permitting thing he's having lots of permit problems with the city so the club isn't ready yet but he has talent booked so because he expected the club to be open so literally dracula's taste test is he just wants to get audience reaction to the acts he wants to get like these are the people who are going to be doing gigs at his club when it finally gets through the permitting process so that's what this is is a cabaret variety show of the acts that dracula might book into his club once he gets it open and everything settled that's awesome uh it's a sing-along they project the lyrics for you to sing along nice lots of songs that you will recognize including a morrissey tune which took me by surprise really yep (laughs) was it morrissey or the smiths so uh it was the smiths okay uh it was um uh oh if you had uh every day is like sunday Oh, that's Morrissey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I thought that was a Smiths. Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry. It's I'm okay. so wrong. <laughs> My 80s cred just went out the window. <laughs> I don't even think that's an 80s song. So it's not? No. It wasn't the 80s? Every day is like Sunday, I think is like mid 2000s, early 2000s. Really? No. Yeah. Look no. it up. Because I don't have my phone. Uh, that is the name of it, right? Yeah. And while you're looking that up, I'm going to tell a funny Morrissey story. Okay. Or Smith story. So back in, when I was working at Hot Topic in the 90s in the mall, yep, that was me. You were Um, that guy? Yeah. And because, you know, Western Mass, there's really not anything else. And I hated the Smiths with a passion. And my manager would always play them because we could choose 10 CDs um, and we would put them on shuffle. And she would always choose a Smith whenever she would work. And because I was so irritated whenever I would work with her, because I had to listen to that garbage. N- now I love them because coming to California, it's like you kind of have to like them. And like every club you go to will play them a million times. So I'm a fan now. But back then I wasn't. And whenever she would ask me to do something, I would always respond singing like Morrissey. 
So she would be like, <laughs> like, oh, can you put out shipment or can you fold the shirts? And I, and I, I would go up to him. Of course, I can fold the t-shirts and put away the shipments, <laughs> and you know, just stupid, <laughs> stupid stuff like that. And she would get so mad at me, and it was funny and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a day in the life of Mike in the 90s. Okay. Uh, just uh, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. <laughs> a little glimpse into your past. Every Day is Like Sunday released 1988. Oh, 80. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's according to the internet and the internet never lies, damn it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's lots of songs you will recognize. Uh, everything from, yeah, 70s to current stuff and... It's like Frankenstein's monster drops by, Quasimodo drops by, they chat, they tell jokes. Uh, Quasimodo is working on some stand-up material. Uh, This becomes just really ridiculous. The puns fly like you wouldn't believe. There's some really fun stuff with... uh, They do make some clever references. In the background, they have projections when the, the song lyrics aren't being projected where they'll make jokes. Uh, During the course of the show, Dracula has to deal with, you know, Mina, uh, his love, the love of his life, and she comes back from the afterlife and has a bit of an attitude. Uh, She's not happy with the fact that he keeps calling her from beyond the grave. It just (laughs) obviously... Long distance charges. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but they have projections of various Dracula posters, various monster movies through the years, and if you if you pay attention in this show, there's some really clever jokes made in the dialogue that reference past Dracula films and oh, things like cool. this. Oh, that's cool. It's like Easter eggs. Oh, and... yeah, exactly. It's like Easter eggs. And I thought that was hysterical. And, and you know, they were <laughs> they made a couple of really pointed jokes about, you know, like the Hammer films in the early 70s when... They were trying to make Dracula cool and, you know, they were he was hanging with the hippies and things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, there was some really funny stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this is just absolute crowd-pleasing fun. I thought it lost its way a little bit when it, they tried to bring in some more modern characters. Uh, and I don't want to reveal who shows up. Mm-hmm. But they they tried to bring in current villains from our current media and it 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 was it, it didn't work quite as well as when you stick with the classic monsters, but still over the top, goofy fun. The audience I was with was just roaring, having a great time. So yeah, definitely, definitely like if you want just a silly, goofy, over the top, fun sing along, bad jokes, corny jokes, like yeah, this this definitely is for you. Uh, it, it's really, really fun. It's a quick hour. It feels like half that time it flies by so fast. Awesome. So, yeah, Dracula's Taste Test was a lot of fun. Cool. And while you were seeing that, I was seeing a show. Uh, and you had mentioned earlier that there, there's always that one show. You never really know what to expect, but it really just sounds really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was that show for me. It's called Shilo Kloko. And... Shiro Kloko comes from two Japanese words, Shiro, which is white, and Kuroko, uh, which is black stagehand. And what this is, is a, a mixture of puppetry and dance and comedy and animation and buto. And what is buto, you might ask? Uh, Mike, bu- what is buto? No, I said you might ask, not that you should. But what buto is, <laughs> it's a Japanese style of dance where the performer has white 
body paint Mm -hmm. all over them. Right. So, of course, being the horror nerd, I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching the kid from the ring. Like, (laughs) because that's what it it seemed like, because it looked very corpse like. Yeah. And so, I mean, that right there was good enough for me. Um, But the show was it was so interesting and fascinating because like this is a style and the main puppeteer is uh now kobayashi and i hope i'm pronouncing her first name correctly um but she was the main person and she was interacting with the animations and there is a lot of uh funny and interesting parts uh there is something that she provides to a member of the audience and how that thing comes to being is really really interesting and once you realize what is happening and the props used in what is happening and i know i'm being super super vague but (laughs) it it will it it, like it will be a spoiler because it's so unexpected okay um but it's it's just really it's it's like wow um there's another part where you help create a human peacock which was just fascinating to watch because you know it's part puppetry part human and it's beautiful to watch it's like i love this show and it sounds extremely visual it is it's very very visual and there were elements of a story throughout the thing and i'm it's one of those shows where i'm still trying to figure it out because there were, there were common threads, but there were some things that really didn't make sense. So I, I wouldn't say the whole show has a story to it, but there are definitely there's definitely a theme going through and like maybe a mini story from. Do you think that's the cultural difference? That, it, it could yeah. be. Um, and then at one point in the show, you hear some singing, and what happens? You see about seven women come up. And it's a choir. Uh-huh. And one of the the actors in, in the production is actually leading them. You know, like like I'm making arm movements, but yeah. like, you know, like like, like these people director? over here. Yeah. yeah. And watching that from two feet away and hearing the harmonies, the melodies and of these women singing, it was beautiful. You know, and you know I love K pop, so it it doesn't uh-huh. matter that I can't understand what the lyrics are. They were singing in <laughs> Japanese, but it was the same thing. It was so beautiful. Like it was like my like it, it was so just nice to listen to. It's almost like the audio version of seeing something so beautiful that you really don't know how to describe it. Like that's what it was because huh. it was just so perfect. And that choir is called L.A. Daiku, um, D-A-I-K-U. Um, you can find more info on them at L.A. Daiku dot org um, because it was seriously like it was so good um listening to them sing um but this show had emotional moments it had comedy uh it had a little bit of everything and literally everything because not only did it have those sort of feelings but it also had puppetry it had animation it had stop motion um you know things like that and it was the the puppets that were created they're just so cool but at the same time creepy because they're all white and there's they're really not like you know and it's it's just it's just yeah it was really it was such a good show but it's so interesting like i really really liked it oh man i don't think i'm gonna be able to fit this into the schedule before the end of their run um i wish i had yeah it sounds really interesting 
I think they were only there maybe the weekend. Oh, okay. Um, but it sounds like they do some some stuff around LA every once in a while. Oh, but um, whatever they do next, I definitely want to check out. Very cool. So while you were going there, Mike, I was finding my way to another show. This was an interesting little piece. <laughs> okay. It's called God the Apologies Tour. And last year, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a um there was a show that kind of gave us a lanyard and yeah, yeah Comic-Con. It, it's yeah, Comic-Con the musical did that. And it's always kind of cool when you walk away with something. So, Mike, I want to show you something. Put that away. Hey, 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 hey. So uh, this is called God the Apologies Tour. So we got issued this. <laughs> nice. Which is, uh, if you've ever gone to a concert uh, and you've seen like backstage passes, they actually gave all of us in the audience a lanyard with an all-access pass to God the Apologies Tour like you would find for a band. I that love you... that stuff. So like, yeah, this is cool. I just thought this was such a clever, yeah. And so that, yeah, we all got one of these. It's very, very cool. Uh, and it is, it's it's God on tour. Uh, he's been touring this, touring this show for quite some time, apparently. And uh, this is part comedy. It's, it's mildly immersive. Uh, it's partially a philosophical conversation. This is actually kind of a cool show. I don't know. I, I didn't know what to expect going into this show, but what it becomes is this guy comes out and says like, yeah, I'm God, not what you expected, but this is me. And you start to have the conversation. And because God means so many different things to so many different people, uh, there are multiple versions of him present. And the structure of the show is you get to go and have a conversation with, one of the four versions of God present and you get to switch in the middle of the show. So you actually get a couple of different conversations with a couple of different forms of God. Oh, cool. As he has appeared to people. And, um, I went with polytheism and I went with self-reflection. There was also mysticism. And then there was just God himself. And there, the, the conversation sort of examines and and seriously very intelligently handles some touchy subjects i think I, like i i i said this before i grew up in a very religious area but i grew up with, in a home with no religion so religion for me is still a fascinating subject i don't totally understand it i have not been trained in it the way some people are when they're young so part of the conversation that i had was about how God appears sometimes as a loving God, sometimes as a tough God, sometimes as a vengeful God. And the conversation of how originally in society, the rules of God, because God was this mystical, all-powerful thing, that if you broke the rules of society, you were breaking God's laws. And so you became the outlaw because you were going against everyone by breaking what would be God's rules. So so there was a conversation about the tough love of a God or the the mystical God provides what you need conversation. Or if you're not getting what you need, what have you done wrong? Why have you angered God? There's all of these conversations that are going on, but in a very enjoyable manner and I switched to another conversation, which became a conversation about how do you have a conversation with God? And it's it was this lovely, beautiful little scene about 
finding a way to talk to God when you just need a friend and when you just need some advice or you don't want to be alone. And I thought that portion of the show was actually wonderful and touching and and quite serene. Those are the two that I had. And then in the end, you sort of get a wrap-up conversation uh, with the man himself. And that also became a really interesting conversation about perspective. And along with perspective, how we look at religion, how we use religion, and also they're trying to offer a better way of relating to the Almighty in the future and how you might continue your conversation with God. None of this is preachy. None of this is like trying to convert you. None of this is about religion. It's about how you interact with this being if you have faith in this being. So in the very, very end, you know, it's called God the Apologies Tour. And God does offer an apology. What he chooses to apologize for is a fascinating topic of conversation, and I'm not going to reveal it here. It just makes you think, you know what? As humans, like, yes, if you believe in God, if you believe in his influence, that's wonderful. But we have to navigate this world partially on our own, and being kind to ourselves and being kind to others will do a lot of good. And I thought that was a wonderful message. That's what I walked away from this show with. And I, I thought it was a, a, a lovely, sort of a casual feeling show. And by the way, this is, uh, I didn't mention this, but the, this is uh, from the company They Played Productions. And that is a company which has done some immersive stuff in the past. And I know they've got productions coming up after Fringe later in the year. So uh, it'll there'll be more opportunities to see this company's work. And I, I'm really curious after seeing this. Good. And that was your weekend. And because you're always the go-getter and want to just keep going, you I think actually... the word you're looking for is masochist. <laughs> uh, you actually did another show uh, on Monday night. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, wow. I went to a show called Wounded. And, you know, during the Fringe Festival, before shows, after shows, you talk to people and you get recommendations. And I had heard from several people that Wounded was a really good show. Uh, so, I, But I, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a drama and I knew it dealt with uh, a woman who was caring for her husband who needed 24-hour care and her effort to bring someone else into the mix of that relationship. And that's basically all I had to go on. Uh, this play, Wounded, is uh, produced. It's a fierce backbone production. It is directed by Liz Lanier, written by Carrie. And uh, I briefly met this guy after the show. Really super nice guy. We talked very briefly about the show. And unfortunately, I'm going to mangle his last name. Kerry Cosmiroxitrim. And I know that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely one of the most complex, dramatic, gut-wrenching shows I've seen in a long time, man. This was, uh, this was rough stuff. Um, the cast, Jesse Holder, Tertellet, and Scott Cusa, and uh, the uh, third cast member is... Kyle Feltz. So those three cast members are the entire cast. And I, I, I don't even know how to begin with this show, Mike. Uh, 
they were a young couple. Um, the characters Angelica and Tommy were a young couple. He went off to war. He received a debilitating brain injury. So he comes back from the war, unable to talk, unable to care for himself. I, I shouldn't say unable to talk, unable to be coherent, uh, unable to take care of himself. And so she becomes a caregiver. And at the beginning of the show, she's been doing this for five years. She has met someone else who might be a beau, might be a friend, and is willing to try to help her care for Tommy. So that's the beginning of the show is the three of them in the same room trying to get to know each other. And of course, Tommy is barely there mentally. Or is he? That's part of the mystery of the show. And, oh, okay. and during the course of the show, you see the hopes of the wife who wants her husband back and sees a glimmer in his eye and wants to believe that he's going to get better someday. And yet she also yearns to be with somebody. So... You know, this this new friend, Sam, who comes into the mix, offers the possibility of romance again, the possibility of friend, the possibility of just someone to talk to. Uh, one thing I want to compliment the show on is this is directed and staged in a way that the person with the injury, he is on stage the majority of the show. It is uncomfortable to some degree because you're watching someone who can't take care of themselves and you're watching the play unfold and you're watching the other two characters have to care for him as the story unfolds. So it becomes this really almost grueling. And I mean, that as a good thing demonstration of what this woman has been living with for five years. Hmm. Then it gets worse. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Sam reveals that he also is dealing with demons because he's also a veteran. Angelica so desperately wants to be the caregiver. She's been the caregiver for five years. She now wants to care for Sam too. She wants to care for everyone and she loses sight of caring for herself. This is really complex stuff. This is really realistic stuff. And for almost 90 minutes, this unfolds with no break in front of you and Mike seriously halfway through this thing I started to hear people cry I fought back tears twice at one point there was a sequence that made me so uncomfortable I actually wanted to walk out of the theater oh damn that's because saying a lot this is harrowing because it's so real and it feels like there is no hope even though there is there Let's be clear, you don't you didn't want to walk out because it was bad just because of an no. emo emotional thing. No, it, it, it just it, it there there's a moment that triggered a memory for me. Right. Okay. That that I just like it, it was a little too real for me and something that I had to deal with in my life. Right. And you know, I I'll say at one point I flashed back to my dad right before he died. Mm -hmm. So th this is heavy, heavy stuff. And this cast damn the honesty the realism the intensity that these performances play out with and there are moments when each of them lose it and angelica who you know is trying to find comfort somewhere and even even if it's with tommy even if with it's you know her husband who really isn't the husband she knew the fact that she can actually find i don't want to get too spoilery but intimacy 
with him and how the effect that that has on Sam. And there's a fascinating conversation about consent because can Tommy give consent to anything anymore if he's suffering from a brain injury? Right. So that that's how heavy this play gets. And I know this sounds depressing, but if, if the purpose of theater is to connect us to each other and to illuminate other people's experiences so we can reflect and find things in ourselves that we can learn from. This show is that type of show. I, I sat with an audience that, that wept at the sight of what was going on, at, at the feeling of hopelessness or the feeling of hope. And the fact that there is a glimmer of hope here and there in the show and, and you want to latch onto it so badly the way the characters are latching onto it. Like this is really, really dark material, but it is worthy material. And I just, I love this show for the risks that the cast takes. The writing is so realistic. And I had a brief conversation with the playwright afterwards. And I, I, I still had a tear in my eye. And I said, I just have one question for you. Where did this come from? Because this is too real. And he very briefly, I don't want to speak for him, but he very briefly said, yes, this came from a very real place. Wow. This is a dramatization. This is someone working through something and and wanting to put it out in the world to make other people aware that these situations exist. And they're not easy. And the conversation of how these people are judged and these people are marginalized by the system that is supposedly helping them. Like all of that is dealt with and it is mind blowing. It is disturbing. And it is, this is theater that will devastate you. And it was an honor to be in that audience that night. I don't, (laughs) you're not going to rush out and see this, are you? (laughs) What can you possibly say after that? (laughs) Yeah, this this was um yeah this was probably the highlight of the weekend for me. This and Foxhole Stories both. I just you know the heavy dramas this weekend. Man is Wolf. This was a really heavy weekend for me. Weight has nothing to do with it. So thank you very much. Um, and all three of the shows I've mentioned are, are just like I would recommend them to anyone who loves dramatic theater. Uh, and you know you know I love you know like hey look my favorite play of all time is Arthur Miller's All My Sons. Not the feel-good play of the century, for sure. Um, totally. So, <laughs> you totally got my yeah, Arthur Miller I reference, totally didn't got you? It. Yeah. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really want to wrap that up by saying, "Wounded is worth seeing." Don't let my description scare you away because it's such heavy material. Yes, it's heavy material. Yes, it's very. It's it's can be depressing subject matter, but this is handled in a way of you know realistic theater is hard to pull off. You know I said this about Man as Wolf. It's like this is a hard sort of genre unto itself. Realism is hard, and they achieve it here, uh, and it it's spectacular. I think to watch. Well, that was a great ending to your French <laughs> Fest weekend. <laughs> yeah, I went home, went to bed. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was that was the end of my uh, my uh, for the most part 
uh, dramatic and slightly depressing weekend. There's a lot of that going around. (laughs) That's everything for this week. Yeah. Uh, Fringe Festival is still going on. Uh, If you go to hollywoodfringe.org, you can check out the schedule of remaining shows. We highly recommend browse the rest of the schedule for the rest of June. Find a show. Support your local Los Angeles theater companies. There's stuff out there. You will find something that intrigues you. Yeah, there's something for everyone. Yeah. There's a couple of dramas next weekend, too, Mike. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about them. (laughs) So, yeah, um, we'll be seeing you around Fringe still. Um, There's still some shows that uh, we are going to. Not as many as the last two weeks. We'll see you around Santa Monica Boulevard, probably. Yep. With all of that being said, I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Have you been listening to a bunch of 80s stuff recently? <laughs> That's every day. <laughs> that and K-pop. Um, Want me to do a K-pop version? Go for it. First. No, because you're going to put it in. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you live in fear.